Well, hello, everybody. Um, good to be with you all and to be together. My name is Steve Nation, and I'm delighted to welcome you to this Lucis Trust and Wilkham Will meeting for meditation and reflection during the period leading up to the new moon. The, um, there's a small circle of us sitting here in the office of Lucis Trust and World Goodwill with the UN sitting out in front of us, which is very lovely. And I know there's a large circle um, of you sitting all around in homes, all around the scattered all over the place. The energetic environment that we're working within today is infused with the conditioning radiations of the sunside Aries as they shine into and through all the creative and intelligent thinking and willing and doing that people of good will and of good heart around the planet are engaged in at this critical time. As we consider this energetic environment, we might well ask ourselves, how does the goodwill present today compare with the goodwill present during the 30 years when Alice Bailey was communicating the Tibetan's teachings on discipleship and the work to build right relationships. Such a different time. How has the creative and intelligent thinking, willing, and doing of people of goodwill around the world grown and evolved during the 70-plus years since Alice's transition? And how could we even approach such a question? We really don't know. Do we have the detachment needed to see how goodwill forces have matured? Or do we have the detachment necessary to truly see what the state of goodwill is today? So with all this in mind, let's just pause for a moment and then share together and using the mantra of the group of world servers. This is a mantra or prayer used by meditators and people of goodwill all over the world at 5 p.m. their local time. Let's just have a moment of complete silence. May the power of the one life pour through the group of all true servers. May the love of the one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the great ones. May we fulfill our part in the one work through self-forgetfulness, harmlessness, and right speech. The world, of course, is in process of transformation. It's a hugely significant time in human affairs for all of us who are alive now. Who could doubt what that an intensity of spiritual energies are pouring into the human mind and heart? And these are leading, among other things, to the excessive stimulation of consciousness reflected in the plethora of somewhat chaotic and confusing events. And within this environment, our task, particularly during the new moon period, is to seek to observe with clarity where the forces of goodwill are most evident in the world, where we can really see them, and to think what impact these forces are having in the building of a new materialism. Behind the stimulation, chaos, and confusion that all of us human beings are having to live with these days, and the attention that this receives in the collective consciousness, it seems that principles of freedom sharing and a preoccupation with the good of the whole are in fact being incarnated into all the structures, cultures, and patterns of human living. But it's a slow process, and we often don't notice it. And so our task is first to be actually on the lookout for, to be looking for, and to clearly identify this building work whenever and wherever we see it. 
all of us will tend to see this work differently. That'll depend on the areas we're looking at, where our interests lie, our discipleship seed groups, and so on. But having identified at least some phases of the building work and of the builders, our task together as a group is to hold this work in the light and in the process to help to strengthen the hands of the workers. And we're able to do this because we work in alignment with higher centers of consciousness and being in our planetary life. The Christ, the Buddha, all the great ones who constitute the spiritual hierarchy, all the ancestors, and that center of essential life, purpose, and power on our planet, Shambhala. Great spiritual teachers have prophesied a re resurrection of the human spirit in every field of life, in fields as diverse as economics, legislation, race relations, education, science, psychology, medicine, health and healing, law and the arts. And the question to ask ourselves in the light of these teachings is, where this resurrection spirit is to be found in human affairs today. And it's so important for us to do this. And as we do it, not to turn our backs on the intensity of the problems of these days and months, thinking through our own responsibilities to work with others in a right and appropriate response to these problems. So with all of this in mind, we can turn our attention to the theme, Easter, Resurrection and Restoration, the International Day of Happiness and a World in Process of Transformation. Today, um, March the 20th, every year is observed by the United Nations as the International Day of Happiness. Reviewing the state of forces of resurrection, restoration, and consciousness and relationships in the context of happiness brings challenges. We need to be clear that in the celebration of a day of happiness, the UN is not paying attention so much to the superficial state of happiness as pleasure or feeling good, the opposite of sadness. Clearly, in today's world, there's no shortage of overstimulated feel-good emotion, just as there's no shortage of the counterpoint feelings of sadness and leading to a depth of despair and hopelessness that are a characteristic of our time. For the emotions now are deeply stirred and fear abounds. The furies of ancient Greece are playing themselves out on the world stage for all of us to see. The happiness that is honored today by the UN is more related to Thomas Jefferson's idea enshrined in the US Constitution that the pursuit of happiness is an unalienable right endowed by the Creator on all people. As a law professor, Carly Conklin has written, Jefferson and the founders of the US Constitution were referring to happiness as a result and a product of conforming to laws of nature. She writes, the pursuit of happiness, which was understood to be both a public duty and a private right, evoked an enlightenment understanding of the first principles of law by which the natural world is governed. The idea that those first principles were discoverable by humans and the belief that to pursue a life lived in accordance with those principles was to pursue a life of virtue with the end result of happiness, best defined in the Greek sense of eudaimonia, or human flourishing. So in the sense that she is writing about the pursuit of happiness as a personal and social goal 
a public duty and a private right, is the pursuit of human flourishing. In other words, of right relations. Relationships in which every unit grows. This is a pursuit of the conditions of governance, which will lead to the best possible guarantees for the four freedoms espoused by Roosevelt. Freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want, freedom from fear, for all people everywhere. And so the path towards right relations can be understood as being guided by this pursuit of happiness and of a law and governance process that seeks to create an environment which is most conducive to human flourishing, to the attainment of the four freedoms, and to the education of citizens in their rights, duties, and responsibilities in the attainment of those freedoms. So it's in this light that we can be looking for the presence of the resurrection spirit in our families, our neighborhoods and communities, our bioregions, our nations, and in the world of nations. The resurrection spirit can be identified as a life-giving energy, an energy that brings a vision of future possibilities, not abstract vision, but vision that gives incentive to life, and that spirit of intelligent hope, which the Tibetan wrote in March 1945, can restore all nations. Just imagine the end of the Second World War, all of the losses and experiences felt by individuals all over the world at that time, the need for a spirit of hope and of intelligent possibility, intelligent understanding of possibility to rebuild. In order to see this life-affirming vision, we have to really look for it in today's world. Otherwise, it's far too easy to be overwhelmed by either the excessively critical and cynical spirit of so much of the global conversation, or the excessively simplistic and emotive use of slogans and superficial thinking by partisans, partisans from the left and the right, whose concern is more for their own group or their own class or their own nation or ethnic group than it is for the flourishing of the whole. The World Happiness Report is a good place to look to review the state of happiness or human flourishing in the world and to look at the attention being given to this. It's now in its 11th year and the report is prepared by a group of researchers associated with the Sustainable Development Solutions Network and the Center for Sustainable Development at Columbia University, headed by Jeffrey Sachs. It draws on an annual Gallup World Poll and a number of other polls that seek to measure the quality of life and people's sense of well-being. It's interesting to note the energy being put into this field of research nowadays. It never existed in any concentrated way during Alice Bailey's time. Now there's a professional association of researchers and scholars, the International Society for Quality of Life Studies, which, among other things, produces a Betterment of the Human Condition Award, which the Happiness Report has received, I think, twice. The 2022 Happiness Report begins with a review of happiness research and the role it can play in guiding policymakers on how to best make happiness the goal of their policies in place of GDP, increase in GDP. For example, a report notes that with encouragement from the OECD, nearly all its member countries now measure the happiness of their people annually. And of course, we can imagine and understand that the sophistication and the actually the spirituality of our ability to measure this 
will itself grow, and we should expect it to grow and deepen. Noting the increase in levels of worry and stress during COVID, the report also notes that on the positive side, the most remarkable change seen during COVID-19 has been the global upsurge in benevolence in 2021. This benevolence has provided noticeable support for the life evaluations of givers, receivers, and observers who have been gratified to see their community's readiness to reach out to help each other in times of need. In every global region, there have been large increases in the proportion of people who give money to charity, help strangers, and do voluntary work in every global region. One interesting development noted in the report is that happiness research is now beginning to consider experiences of balance and harmony. And the 2020 Gallup World Poll asked how recipients rated their experience of their life being in balance, feeling at peace with your life, or preferring a calm life to an exciting life, and the focus on caring for others or self. Just interesting that those are the sorts of questions that are being asked. In the book, The Externalization of the Hierarchy, the Tibetan describes healing forces of restoration pouring into the spirit of humanity, particularly during the period of the Easter full moon in the years 1945 to 47. Following the exhaustion, the trauma, and the grief experienced during the war, these forces were designed to help restore lightness, hope, simple happiness, and a life-affirming vision of a new world that's worth working for. Restoring hope, restoring a freshness of will, what we might call a joyful will, a will that leads to happiness, to light happiness. As we develop our own group insights under the beneficent gaze of the Christ and the Buddha, there is clearly need now for similar forces of restoration to flow. And there are signs that these forces are indeed taking hold in countless group service initiatives projects, and thought circles. It will be good if we can give attention to some of these during our discussion period after the meditation. One such initiative to note just before we work with the meditation is that right now there's a focus of the Cycle of Conferences Visualization Initiative that's focused on the World Water Conference due to begin here just across the road at the UN in New York on Wednesday this week. It's amazing the energy that is focused now both on the problem of water supply, of shortage of water supply, and of sanitation and a healthy source of water for all peoples, and on the sort of stirring of the waters of these extreme climate events that are causing natural disasters. There are now huge numbers of professionals working in this field and of people thinking deeply about how we can transform our relationship with water. So please join in with the Cycle of Conferences Visualization. And if you're not already participating, um, you can um, find out about it on the website of World of Will. Um, and if you, the, the idea of the visualization, it visualizes planting seeds of living will energy in the heart of the thought form under construction about the human access to water. So let's work with strengthening the hands of the group of world servers.
as a group sharing together right now through Zoom and also linked with all groups who are using working with this meditation, whether on this call or not. Let us imagine ourselves as one lighted group as we say together, I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We first recognize our place, <coughs> excuse me, we recognize our place as a group within the heart center of the group of world servers. And we stand with all other groups in that heart center. And we mentally extend a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center. Extending that line to the Christ, the heart of love within the hierarchy. And onwards through the Christ towards Shambhala, where the will of God is known. the higher interlude. Hold the mind focused on the planetary role of the group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity, responding to hierarchical impression and meditating the plan into existence. Meditation. Reflect on the seed thought through the impression and expression of certain great ideas. Humanity must be brought to the understanding of the fundamental ideals to govern the new age. This is the major task of the group of world servers. 
precipitation. Visualize the precipitation of the will to good, essential love throughout the planet. From Shambhala, through the planetary heart, the hierarchy, precipitating through the Christ, the group of world servers, all men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world. And finally, radiating out through the hearts and minds of the entire human family. The lower interlude. Consider the many ways in which the power of the one life and the love of the one soul are working out in the world through members of the group of world servers, building the thought form of solution to world problems. Distribution. As the great invocation has sounded, visualize the irradiation of human consciousness with light 
and love and power. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, friends. So interesting that in these gatherings where we come together in this ritual of full moon and the new moon, our work is really the meditation. But in a way, particularly in this new moon, that idea of meditating the plan into existence, that's the idea we can use when we at the new moon time, have this period of discussion for those of us who want to stay on and, and share some thoughts. Um, it is, a, in a sense, contributing to how we are seeing the plan finding its way into expression in our lives, but more importantly, in the lives of our communities, the neighborhoods where we live, the professions, the offices where we work, or the nowadays the home spaces where we work, the um, terrific areas of mental thought that are characteristic of our time. And the questions we have for reflection, please, if you can raise your hand and we'll um, bring you into the discussion. And there's a few of us here in the, in the circle in the office and, and we'll discuss these questions. They're just guidelines, really. How do the teachings on the forces of restoration, ladies and gentlemen, how do these teachings released in Easter 1945, how do they affect our understanding of the energies and dynamics at play in the world this coming Easter? Where do we see them at work? What would any of us describe as the core elements in the state of happiness and well-being as they exist in the world today. It's easy to see the frivolous happiness, 
It's easy to see the absence of happiness, but let's try and draw attention to where we see substantial, something of substance. And then just to keep us going, how does the goodwill present today compare with the goodwill present during the 30 years when Alice Bailey was communicating with the Tibetans' teachings on discipleship and the work to build right relationships? And that's a question that's already raised a, a comment, how on earth are we to know? <laughs> how the hell do we know what the state of goodwill was like in 1943 in April or something? Well, that's a good question. I don't think there's an answer. But in a way, for me, that question raises the question, how do we know or assess the state of goodwill today in my world, the world where I have some responsibilities and where I have some agency? What, what does goodwill mean to me? Where do I see it? Any thoughts? Here's a hand up, Steve. Okay. Um, hi there. Can you hear me? Hello? Don't know. Oh, yeah. Centeno, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Um, well, Steve, one thing about goodwill is these days with all the technology, it's instantaneous. Ever since the COVID, we have done a lot of these spiritual meetings online, and we are connecting all over the world with people. So that's one thing that's different, although certainly world conditions, certain of the energies seem incredibly similar to what was going on at the time, you know, good and bad after the world war. But to change the subject and talk about happiness I think self-forgetfulness is huge in true happiness because, and also the connection, the feeling of connectedness with, with others and also harmlessness, which is love and action. I think those are underlying um, things uh, to true happiness and not to forget communication through speech, right speech, right thought. So um, that's what I would like to say. Thank you. Thanks, Santana. That's, those are, are wonderful thoughts. The, um, I love that focus on self-forgetfulness. And in a way, I mean, you could say that that's such a deep, like that's such a deep thing for the human being to at least even approach um, an element of detachment from the self that's sufficiently strong to see not just the other, but to see the soul in the other and to see the soul in the world. And in a way, for me, I do believe that at the deeper level of thought, in all, not just in spiritual traditions, but in, like I meet the people that I meet, and I'm sure this is the same for all of us. It's not difficult now to have a conversation where you are able to enter into a space that is actually a little self-forgetful, that is about the heart being touched by something collective of beauty or of... Um, of something about the human bit where the human will. And to me now, it's not uncommon to experience this quality of self-forgetfulness as starting to become a part of the higher level of human expression. And, and I, I have no idea, I have no way of knowing what it was like in 1945, but I re my assessment is that that is new. I think that's over the sort of the the seventy year period. I think that's something that is maturing. That the deeper level, like the heart of the new group of world servers, there are certain qualities of fire that are becoming palpably present 
in human beings in, in, in not small numbers, obviously, um, but I don't know what others think about that. Maybe I'm a complete idealist and a fantasist. There are three hands raised. Oh. There are three hands raised. Hello? Can you I hear me? We can, we can hear you, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'd like to share something that has um, really opened my eyes to uh, an aspect of, of right human relations. And it seems to be related to uh, what I heard Santana say and then what Steve just said. And it came to me as a poem by Robin White. And just briefly, I read a couple of the stanzas. Go to a place where you will be surrounded by strangers people who are not in your tribe, Walmart, an airport or busy restaurant will do. You have one purpose for being there and it is this, silently to each person you pass by, say to them, I need you and walk on. One after another, excluding no one, move among the anonymous until you grasp the reality that you need everyone everywhere. You have all the time you need. To, to do that practice, I perhaps it is a way that we reach from soul to soul. I don't know. You can do it when you watch the evening news. You can do it to each person that you, you meet you say, I need you until you really know that every one of us needs everyone else. So I just recommend that if you want to discover many of the places where your right human relations could use a little shoring up. Thank you. Oh, Catherine, thank you. That's just, um, that's magnificent. What a, what a practice. That, to me, that's another sign. You know, these these deep exercises and challenges to us are so out there now. I mean, you look at Robert White's work and the influence that that's having. It's 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 a wonderful thing. Thank you very much for that, Catherine. It's Charles. Hi, thank you um, for this meditation. Um, a couple things that I have noticed, you know, you asked about the changes or advances that have manifested since the 1940s. Um, it seems like there are two things since 80 years ago, and that is that because of the internet, we can truly, on an individual level, experience the whole planet. We can see what's going on and talk to somebody in Moscow, in Beijing, in Washington, in London. And it is a personal experience. It is an individual experience. But at the same time, what has happened is that, depending on your frequency, um, the fallacy of us against them has manifested in a greater way. Never before do I think or have I experienced or seen this true immersion into us against them. It can be religion, it can be race, it can be gender, it can be sexual preference, it can be anything. But at the same time, what we've seen is that combating that is an incredible amount of, of soul expression that was talked about previously. One of the things about being the conscious soul incarnate is not that you're having the influence of that soul in an everyday way, but <clears throat> there's a satiety that happens from it. When you walk and move and breathe as the soul, there is such satisfaction and joy that, and this was alluded to previously, 
in everyday experiences. You can relate to the person at the checkout counter at the grocery store or the reception desk at the doctor's. You can link up with them in a way that is truly deeper than just, hi, how are you doing? It is a recognition of the undeniable connection that we all have as one humanity. So there's the balance of those two that have happened in a more individual sense, but then you can see that also the extremes are are more pronounced too at this time. Uh, that's that's um, those are great insights, and I I was thinking as I was listening to you, one of the things that is so remarkable is since 1945, um, we've we've seen the photo of like we now have photographs of the earth and 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 like in the whole of that period leading up to the war um the physical eye nobody had seen the earth from outside um now we've seen that and that's a hugely significant thing the other thing i was thinking is i wonder if one of the things that happens is we are more intently aware of the divisions now than in the past. And we're also, there's an ethical, we're more, like the heart is more open somehow. So the ethics of the divides are more um, pressing on the heart. It's the intensity of the time, it seems to me, as such. And um, we see that in, we see that often in young people, the sort of discussions and the depth of despair that that can lead to. And also, of course, the, um, the imperative that that awareness is producing to find, for each person to find some way for spiritual growth from where they are now to the next step. Um, so. I have a comment. Can I make a comment? <laughs> oh no, we lost it. Okay, it's Steve. Thank you so much for the presentation and the discussion. It's been and the meditation, of course, as well. It's been really great. I just wanted to briefly add a comment about. Um, I think one thing that often, and I appreciate this talk about happiness, like the true, like vital. Uh, core of happiness as opposed to the frivolous type of happiness. Because I think so often um, those two, a distinction needs to be made almost in every type of human experience. You know, there's what um, may be the outer world of seeming, but then there's also the inner world of causes. And I think when we look at the, the state of the world and when we, when we ask that question, you know, is the state of the world better or worse, or how is it different than in 1945, for example, I think definitely there is a greater degree of what um, I would call divine discontent, that there's this sense that things should be much better, but they're not. And I think that's a common, a common experience on the path. Um, it's also a common experience for many artists or those who work along the ray of harmony and um, and beauty. Uh, and also it's an experience of geniuses in every field. They have this sense of, of, um, of this overwhelming sense of the state of whatever they're working on is just irreconcilable almost in it. And what that does is it creates an, a, a, a severe and extreme point of tension um, that I think eventually leads to transcendence, you know, and of and a sort of the ideal, the ideal of it. And so we can imagine today, you know, this, of course, there are many things, I think, objectively speaking, that should be better and could be better had we made different choices along the way. But also, I think our relationship to the way things are or are not is the key to understanding human progress, really. It's not really what what is necessarily, it's our relationship to that and the way we see it. And today, so many people are saying, this isn't right. You know, I think that itself reveals the state of goodwill in the world today in the way it's different than in 1945. Should I go to, should I just go to a question? I mean, uh, a hand. 
Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, I lost the cursor. Uh, Bob, go ahead. Uh, Bob, go ahead. Bob, can you unmute? Yeah, um, hang, hang on. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead. Okay, great. Uh, to be honest, what has changed since 1945 are economies of scale. We are still flesh and blood. Uh, life still lives on death. We have to make choices. Um, there were several great artistic works that came out uh, as America was getting ready to enter the war. One of them was Casablanca. Another one was Watch on the Rhine, where you're called upon to make a choice. And as we're witnessing even today uh, with uh, uh, China meeting with Russia, there is a new authoritarian axis forming. Now, I'm all for love and service and healing and humanity. But in order to even be willing to deal with those concepts, you have to have developed enough self-awareness to appreciate them. And I'm not saying that, that I, I love these, especially the new moon meetings, I think are the best, because we're, we all share the full on the new moon. You, you, you know that there's a commonality, but you've got to be willing to enter that commonality. And once again, I'm going to come back to what's changed since 1945 economies of scale. If we had a major war now, billions of people would die. And those are the realities. The reality is that there is, is that authoritarianism um, in the name of even theocracy in Iran, right? They speak for God in Iran. So I just want to offer a balance to the discussion. Um, and. Uh, if you've ever read or, or seen the Lillian Hellman play Watch on the Rhine, it's a great example of what needs to be discussed. And thank you very much. I appreciate this. Thank you. Bob, I, that, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, I think that's a very good sharing, particularly the um, economies of scale and the economies of intensity. So that the battle now, um, in simplistic terms, it is a battle, I guess, between authoritarian forces and um, the principles of human rights. But that battle plays out actually in each one of us and it plays out in each nation. But it is writ large in, 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 certain, in the current cycle of human affairs. The one thing that I would add to that, it, is that something else has changed, and that is the sense of human responsibility um, in response to what Michael referred to as the divine discontent. Um, that in 1945, these battles, which clearly were being fought then, were largely fought from above and then people um, were drawn into them, idealistically drawn into them. Now, those battles, I think, and, and, and the sort of forces that are trying to create something new are coming from every which way. They're coming from individuals, from collectives, from professions, from um, every which way, and also the opposing forces are coming from every which way. So the difference to me is that we are all much more involved, and that's like the economy of scale um, in the psyche. Um, it's now a big deal, and um, we can't sort of turn our backs on, on, the, on the, what's happening. There's a few more hands. 
It's great to see. Thank you all for um, for the hands. We do like a good hand to be raised. Go ahead, Hog. Sure I, I cannot hear. This is Jacqueline, but I can't hear what you're saying now. I, I'm listening, but I can't hear. Very Hi, Jacqueline. Well. I just said you just go. You're you're unmuted, so you can go ahead and speak whenever you're ready. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was trying to hear the other person. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, just something brief that I feel that with the internet and with television, films, uh, we're we're getting a lot of media uh, play in our world and all over the world now because almost everyone has a phone regardless of socioeconomic conditions now. So I think that one of the things that I feel is that for myself, not to get overwhelmed with that, that large crowd uh, actions and then reactions is I still try to do individual practices. And when I was in London and New York for the first time in my life, I'd never ridden public transportation in the 1980s. And I would just sit on the subway and I'd look at every individual and say, you are my brother, you are my sister. And really try to feel into that person and let them in my heart and send an energy toward them of love. And as simple as that was, it has helped me carry that now in a different way. I don't need a bus or a subway. I feel more it, uh, it's automatic and I try to make a connection regardless of how superficial it might be in a market, a drugstore, checking out to make a human connection of concern about their day and how are they feeling? What's it like for them? Are they almost over their shift? Simple, something really simple, but brief. And I just find I go away feeling very full and I feel that I've actually made a connection with my human family. I already feel I have good relationships with my close people, but I'm I'm trying to do that little by little in the world. And I'm just finding that it's a little seed, but it, it, I can feel the effect it has on others as well as myself. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Jacqueline. That's a really, that's a wonderful um, thought. That's a, that's a really lovely thing. Uh, one more. Yeah, okay. There's a one more hand, one last hand. How are we going on? We're right on time. When somebody probably knows Steve, oh, okay. I believe it's Barbara. Barbara Valacor has her hand. Hi, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes. Hey, Barbara, yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, thank you. Wonderful program. Thank you, Steve. Wonderful hour. Just to say, I wanted to circle back really quickly to the water conference. Um, and just when you were talking about it, it made me really think about the divas of the waters and how much water is part of us. And we're more than like three quarters water. The planet is water. And with the IPPC that just came out um, today about the climate and just honoring water, you know, thinking about water and how water is com completely connected on the planet in rain and coming down and snow and all the oceans are completely connected. So it's one thing. It, ultimately, and how do we think about that as what the divas are doing and how are we helping them? And I don't know, it just occurred to me. So I just wanted to say that. So thank you for your time. It was a it's a beautiful hour. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. That's a, and thank you very much for bringing up that water issue, because I think that's if you compare 1945 and now. There was nothing like there was an absence of this huge collective concern, um, global concern for the state of water. And as we understand it, the devas um, and all the elemental lives connected with all the elements of nature. Th this human awakening to a sense of relationship with and responsibility for stewarding, right stewarding, um, the earth is an unbelievable change in consciousness. 
And it's it's creating these political dynamics that are playing themselves out as they are, um, creating dynamics in law, in every field of um, every profession um, is being transformed by thinking through its relationships with nature and even the idea of biomimicry. Um, starting to completely rethink away whatever the profession's about using the uh, natural models, the models in nature to, um, to think of how you can model human structures. Um, any other thoughts? Well, the time is up. But uh, thank you very much, Barbara. When you talk about the water and the divas, the Tibetan said in the future, there'll be a vast teachings about the uses of water spiritually. And he said it will be magical and wonderful. We can know that we use this, the water, the steam from the water to turn the industrial turbines to produce electricity. But purification will be widespread and, and spiritual progress will be hastened by the spiritual use of water in connection with the full moons and in connection with the new moons. And it sounded so magical when I read it. So, wow, the uses of water. And thinking about the uses of water, it is like as if people taking the first initiation, people taking the second initiations, by, by the use of water will be hastened. And even people who are facing the dwell on the threshold towards the third degree initiation will be also helped by the use of steam. And the Tibetan is going to reveal all of this. And you hinted at this by using by connecting water with the divas of water. So there's a lot to hope for, and we are waiting. Thank you, Barbara. Thanks, Emmanuel. I think we're probably we're we're past our time. Does anyone else have anything you want to add? Anyone in the circle? All right, lovelies, thank you very, very much. It's been a good time together. And um, as you said, Bob, this new moon work, it's a wonderful work, particularly when we see it in its relation to the full moon. Uh, just a reminder of stuff that's, stuff that's coming up um, that you might be interested in. The first of all, the cycle of conferences, um, just you can go to worldworld.org slash cycle. Yep. Um, and that will give you information about that. You need to enroll and then you'll get noticed, notification about every conference that comes up. Um, the three spiritual festivals meetings are coming up. It's a really important time, the key time of the year. And the Easter festival, the Aries full moon, um, the full moon occurs on April the 6th. And the full moon meeting um, will be on April the 5th. Um, so tune in on that or... Even better still, make a trip to New York City. It's a, it's a city on the east coast of the United States of America. Um, make a trip to New York City and um, come in and join the circle for that um, for that full moon meditation meeting for Aries. And then WASAC and the Arcane School Conference um, in on WASAC on May the 5th and the conference on Saturday and Sunday. Um, we look forward to seeing many of you here in New York for that and the Christ Festival on June the 3rd, Saturday, June the 3rd. So thank you, everybody, and have a wonderful evening, um, wherever your time zone may be.